You just heard the best, uh, best message you're going to hear this morning in that song. I would love to just sing that song for 30 minutes and then pray and close. Um, you know, we gather because, you know, Jesus is real and he's true. And I don't know how people have treated you in your life. I don't know about your family, your boss, your neighbors, your spouse, your parents. But I can tell you, you have a hero in your life. And he will rescue you. And he will save you, and he will inspire you and encourage you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And that's who we just sung about, and I love that song. And Ricky, can we do that at the end? Can we do it again at the end? And if I'm like, if I get lost here, just come up and start singing it again, okay? If I'm, if I'm fumbling along here, just, just come rescue me, all right? Um, okay, so my name is Ralph Howe, I'm one of the pastors here, and I see again, I see some new faces, people I haven't seen, and... So very glad you're here this morning. And, um, you know, I'm 48 years old, and I, there's an experience that I have uh, far more than I think I should. And it looks something like this. This has just happened way too many times in my life. Have you done this? If you're over 40, you know what I'm doing, right? It's like... <laughs> You know, my, my kids have come to recognize this. Like every once in a while, I'll burst into the room where they are. Maybe it's the kitchen. And then I get, and I have no idea why I'm there, right? And I just, I start doing these little circles, you know? And they can see, and they're like, Dad, you don't know why you're here, do you? You know, and I'm like, yeah, they got me, you know? I don't know why that happens when you get over 40 years old, but, you know, I don't know why I'm here, you know? I walk in the room. So there's a comedian in America. His name is Bill Cosby. Very, very funny man, a wonderful comedian. So he's got a theory about that. He thinks that when you get up, so, you know, the thought's right here. You know what it is, right? And you start walking, and the thought slides down, and it ends up right here. That, that's what he thinks. You know why he thinks that? Because he says, as soon as you go back, you, you're defeated. You go, oh, I don't know why I'm here. You go back in the other room. What happens as soon as you sit down? It gets pushed back up, and you remember it. And then you got to run real quick, you know? Have you ever walked in a room, and you just go, why am I here? You know, it's frustrating, but it's kind of lighthearted, you know, you just, whatever it was you were going to do. You know, but at different stages of our life, that question can be a little more powerful. You know, why, why am I here? Why am I in this stage of my life? You know, maybe the most profound question of all, you know, is not why am I in this stage of my life, but why am I here? Why do I have breath and life and a heart beating in my chest? Why am I here? That question can become very profound. I, I have four children, and this is true. Um, I, I went to my house over the summer after work. I showed up, and the first six kids I saw in my living room, none of them were my kids, right? And I was like, why are you here, you know? But that's a whole different message, so I can't elaborate on that. But it's like, what are you doing here? Where am I? Is this my house, you know? Why am I here? Why are you here? We're going to talk about that for the next, who knows, three weeks, four weeks, with however much time we, we go. And we're going to take some of the stories from some of the lives of the people in Scripture, and we're going to look at them. And we're going to ask this question, why am I here? Now, as I started to process this idea of a, of a, of a series, just thinking about my own life, I was thinking geographically. Why am I in China? Why are you in China? Some of you lived in China, you went to another country, and now you've come back to China. So your story is different than my story. But all of us have this story that we're in China. How much of a role does God play in the stories of our lives and the way that we travel and go? But I realized as I was starting to prepare this message that we can't just make this be geographical. 
So it's not just going to be about why am I in China, although for some of us I think that's a really good one to go, but it may be something else. It may be, you know, why am I blank? Why am I, why am I stuck in this job? Why am I mad all the time, right? Why am I addicted to whatever the thing is? You know, why? Why am I here, and what is God's role and purpose? I've drive down Jingmi Lu. You ever drive down Jingmi Lu? The traffic's out of control, right? And uh, you're trying to obey the law, which means you have no chance of getting anywhere, right? <laughs> the pollution's at like 350, you know? And the sky is gray, and you're just like, you know, with despair in your voice, you're like, why am I here, you know? Well, God's got a purpose for you being here. And so we're going to walk through three very different stories that teach us three very different life lessons um, as we do this. But when it comes to China, you know, China was never on the radar for, for me and my family. When my wife and I got married 15 years ago, uh, you know, we're newlyweds, and we talked, maybe even before we got married, we talked about, hey, where do you want to go as a vacation? Where do you want to go on a trip? And years earlier, before I got married, I had traveled all around Asia, spent three months in Asia traveling. I loved it. But my comment to her, I remember it word for word, I said, you know, there's no reason for us to ever go to Asia, you know, so I, I just thought we would never step foot in Asia again, and my purpose wasn't that it wasn't interesting, but that it was so far away, the language barrier was much more difficult than going to Europe and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so, and of course, the way God does things, you know, now we've been living here for three and a half years, you know, and I'm, I'm just curious, who's lived here in China for more than three and a half years? Can you just raise your hand? I just want to have an idea. Okay, all right, that's more than I thought might happen. All right, great, good, good. Um, you guys have some wisdom then, so we'll all be, if you saw somebody raise their hand and you've been here for like two months, you go find them after the service, all right? And they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Um, so for me personally, um, this is way outside of my comfort zone, doing something like moving from a comfortable work environment situation with friends and family in Florida, in America, to just leave all that voluntarily and come to what we've now been doing for three and a half years. Of course, we love it now. It's been great for us. Um, but you know what? Me, like my personality makeup, um, I, am, I am a slow adapter. Right? I, I am averse to risk, and I don't like change. Right? And yet here I am. Because God has his ways. And maybe, maybe for you, you're like that. You know, maybe, maybe for some of you, this is no big stretch. Wherever you've come from, you were bored where you were. Right, and see, this is an adventure to you. You know, maybe you've come as, as a trailing spouse. You know, your husband or your wife has a job opportunity here, so you've come, but you're trying to figure out what in the world is my life going to be like in the time that we live in China? And does God have a purpose in it? We're going to answer that question. God does have a purpose in it. Always has a purpose in it. Um, so when I started to have this idea, this service, uh, these messages, I, I just started going through the Bible thinking, well, let me see if I can find any characters in the Bible that actually moved from their home country and went to another country to live for a period of time. And I was stunned to see that almost every one of the characters you would know if you know the Bible have had that experience. Not like they visited a place, but they went and they lived for a period of time. And I won't read the whole list, but I'll just read a few names. I was amazed at this. Uh, you know, Abraham lived in his homeland, and God called him out to another place. Um, Jacob, uh, Jacob's brothers, uh, Moses, spent 40 years of his life living in another nation. Amazing. 
uh, Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they were born and raised in their homeland and then went and lived in another, another country. Um, King David. King David lived in a foreign land, an enemy territory for a period of time. Um, and the list goes on and on. Jeremiah and even Jesus lived in a land other than where he was born. And I would even say, and maybe even the last message we do in this series will be about Jesus, how he left his homeland of heaven and came to a foreign land of the earth. And there was a big purpose in that, right? I'll give you the end of the series here, the end of the message at the beginning here. Um, there's a purpose for your life here in, in China. I promise you there's a purpose. There are things that God wants to do in you, and there are things that God wants to do through you. And it's an amazing journey to discover that. Um, sometimes fun, sometimes terrifying, sometimes frustrating. Um, each of these stories that I just mentioned to you are unique and different. But they each share the common bond of God was at work in them and through them in the midst of their story. So we'll talk about a man named Tara today. Um, Tara, I believe, is one of the tragic figures in the Bible, and we'll talk about him in a minute. We'll talk about Abraham during this series. Abraham is one of the most revered you know, men in all of history. Abraham, three different major world religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, trace their roots back to this man, Abraham. He's probably the most known name across the face of the earth throughout the generations. He was revered. When God called him to leave his homeland and go to another land, God was really nice to him. Because God said, I'm going to call you to this place, and here's why you're going to go, and here's what's going to happen while you're there, and here's what's going to happen as a result of what I did in you there. So it's like, oh, great, I got the whole package. I can go, right? But then we're also going to talk about um, Joseph. And Joseph lived a good part of his life in a foreign land, but when that transition happened for him, he had no idea it was coming. It, like, happened immediately, overnight. God never said a word to him, at least in what's recorded in Scripture, as to why he was going, how long he would be there, and whether or not God was even at work in him while he was there. Joseph's story is more difficult, but at the end of Joseph's story, he looks back over his time in a foreign land and he says, God was so deeply at work, his purposes prevailed through my experience. So we're going to look at those lives, and uh, I know I'll find it interesting. I hope you guys will too. Um, so... Who is Tara? We're going to talk about Tara. Tara is a man that was born, we can, we can roughly estimate and figure, he was born about 200 years after the flood of Noah. So just to give some perspective of, of the time frame. Tara was the father of Abraham. Abraham is the great patriarch that, you know, we know that name if we know the Bible at all and even if we don't. Um, there are less than 10 verses in the Bible that tell us about this man, Tara. Um, and yet... His life speaks very, very clearly to us. Um, so uh, here's the first thing I'll say about this. Um, in the Bible, we have patriarchs, right? You kind of know what a patriarch is. A patriarch is like a, like a ruling leader, an ancestral leader. And there are certain names in different cultures. You know, in America, we have our founding fathers. You know, in terms of the biblical story and the, and the story of Israel becomes, you know, Christianity in the New Testament, there are patriarchs. And the, the, the book of Genesis is written in a very interesting way. If you really study it, it's like different little books that are put together. It's like different family genealogies that are just edited together by Moses probably at a later point in time. And so what you have at the beginning of Genesis is you'll have some stories 
And then it's like a clean break to the next thing. So like here's an example of that. Um, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, we've kind of gone through the whole creation story, the story of the fall, and then there's going to be a summary. And here's what it says, Genesis 5.1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam, right? So that lets us know Adam is the key figure. He's kind of the leader. He's kind of the, the one that everything else comes under, right? So then more of the story happens, and we find the flood and different things. Genesis 6.9, this is the genealogy of Noah. So that lets us know Noah's kind of the guy, you know, in that generation, that time, he's the patriarch, right? He's the, he's the one God's chosen. Then his three sons repopulate the earth. Each one of these people played such a key role in the story. Genesis 10.1. Now, this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then it goes on to give their genealogies and stories. Very significant men in the story of Israel, in the story of the Bible. And now, as you follow the Bible, then we come to the end of Genesis 11 into Genesis 12, where the story of Abraham then goes on for a long time, because Abraham's like so important, right? So the next, the next time we see this phrase in Genesis 11:27, it's going to say, this is the genealogy of Abraham, right? Oh, does that say Terah? Oh, that must be a typo. I must have written that wrong. That's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, this is the genealogy of Abraham. It says, this is the genealogy of Terah. Who is Terah? That God would identify him and have him listed as one of the patriarchs. Well, we don't know anything about him. Well, I think it's because his life took a turn where he decided in some way, in some fashion, to stop following the calling of God in his life. And that doesn't mean that God didn't love him, didn't save him, and all that stuff. But what it does mean is that Terah chose not to go on into the fullness of what God has called him to. So we'll just look at that, and I think it's uh, very, very instructive for us. Um, let's see where I am here. Da -da. Okay, so Terah was Abraham's father. So let's go to Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 2. This is, we're going to probably read all the verses about Terah because there aren't many. Um, Acts chapter 7, one of the leaders in the church, Stephen, is recounting the history of Israel to a group of people. Then he says this, Brothers and honorable fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to Abraham in Mesopotamia before he moved to Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him to the land where you now live. This is an important verse because when it ties together with Genesis 11 and we see that, you know, Abraham had a calling. Terah was his father. Terah was a patriarch. Terah was a part of this calling to go to Canaan. And so what happens is they pack up their family, and they start on this journey. And we'll pull a map up here. I don't have a little pointer laser thing. Um, I should have one. But if you see that map, I don't know which side you're looking at here, but Ur of the Chaldeans down there in the right, right at the, the kind of the top of the Persian Gulf there, that's where they lived. It was a very prosperous and thriving kind of seaside, riverside community, a lot of trade, a lot of wealth um, was there. Just up the road from that, uh, a short distance, was, was Babylon, where the Tower of Babel had been built. And you could probably still see, see that tower or the ruins of it. And then they were going to cut across to where you see Jerusalem, where you see Canaan. But the problem was that was all desert. So if you go that way, you die, right? So they didn't want to die, so they went up the trade route. The trade route, you know, we all know this stuff from geography. You follow the river 
The river was where life happened. The liver, the, the liver, the river brought life, right? The liver's important too, by the way, right? You need your liver, I think. Um, so they would go up, and all along they would come to communities, prosperous communities that were prospering because they were on the river, so trade could happen. And then they got up to this place called Heron, right there at the top of the curve, and uh, right there at the top of the curve. And this was a very significant city. It still exists today because that was the spot where the trade routes from north-south and east-west met. So it was a major city, like a New York City or like a Beijing or maybe a Singapore, where a lot of stuff happened there. It was very significant, very wealthy, very prosperous. It was also very idolatrous. Both of these cities um, had a lot of uh, worship of false gods. Um, and it just, it's just funny the way, the way names go. The, the, the false god that was worshipped there, the god, it was the moon god, and the name of the moon god was Sin. And I just think that's kind of funny. The name of the God that they worshiped was called Sin. Uh, probably another message for another time. But, um, so, Terah has this amazing calling as a patriarch. He's living in an, in an idolatrous, godless culture. And he, in a sense, he's trapped there. And God comes to him and his family and says, and his son, and he says, I'm going to call you out of this. I'm going to bring you on an adventure with me into a brand new place. I'm going to do something significant in you and I'm going to do something significant through you. Doesn't that sound exciting? Don't you guys like adventure? Don't you wish you had a calling on your life like that? Oh, maybe we do. Maybe we do. Let's take a look at this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. What a, I'm going to use this word, a glorious verse this is. Peter's speaking to anybody who's a follower of Christ, and he says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is, so you, this is so that you can show others the goodness of God. And here it is. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. Guys, you have the same calling in your life, I do, that Tara had in his life. Leave this place where you're stuck. This place that might be comfortable, in a sense. It was prosperous, and they seemed to be a somewhat well-off family. But leave all that, leave the dead end of pursuing your own selfish ambitions and being tied up in an idolatrous culture and come follow the true God. And so Terah packs up everything with Abram and whoever else was with them, family members and stuff, and off they go, 600 miles walking. They go past the Tower of Babel, Babylon. I wonder what that was like. Right? They would have seen that and gone right past it. Maybe they stayed there for a while. And then they got to the top of that curve in Haran, and then they had another 550 miles down into Canaan. So here's, here's the verse. God speaks to me in one verse. Like, I'm just saying in my own life personally. Like, I don't need whole stories. One verse just hits me over the head, and I just, it's like unbelievable. This is the one, this is the one section. Genesis chapter 11, 31 and 32. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe this will be the first time. It's a tragic verse. It says that Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and left Ur of the Chaldeans in order to go to the land of Canaan, which was God's calling. But they stopped instead at the village of Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. It's one of the most tragic verses in the whole Bible. I'll just go back through that, you know, but, you know, 
but they stopped instead. Instead of God's calling, they stopped at the village of Haran, and they settled. Oh, settled. Man, they settled. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. This is the New Living Translation. It's almost like the author, they look into the original you know, language, you're like saying, you know, he died while he was still there. He never completed his journey. And then in Abraham's journey, of course, after Terah dies, God comes to Abraham and he renews the call. And he says, get out of this place and go to where I've called you. And Abraham goes, and we're going to talk about that next week. So for me, that one verse really, you know, kind of just hits me in the head, and then I just process it in my own story. You know, and I kind of ask God, is there, are there places in my life where I'm settling? You know, am, am, am I settling for less than what God's called me to, less than the life of faith that he's called me to, and my finances, you know, and my friendships, and the way that I'm doing my life? And I wonder why, why did, how could you get off track? How could you have God come to you and say, come on this great adventure like he did with Terah and Abraham, and then have Terah stop? Why, why stop? You know, I think Terah's no different than the rest of us. I don't think he's bad and everybody else is good. I think, you know, Haran was a prosperous city. We know that. I mean, we, we have archaeology. This is well known. This isn't like guessing. We know. It was a major trade route, still is today. And probably a big reason why he stopped is he was a little tired after 600 miles going. But, well, we'll just stop here for a while. And then the comfort of Haran made him unwilling to continue on. So maybe that's something you can think about for your life. Is there some level of comfort in the way that you do your life that's in some way maybe compromising what you feel like God's calling you to? And I really don't mean this as a negative or a, but just, just a healthy challenge. Just a, hey, let's talk to God about this in our own private prayer time, you know. Um, I, I almost didn't come to China. I'm so grateful for my families and my experience in China uh, but we weren't going to come. We were comfortable in Florida. You know, I mean, as with any situation, we had some challenges. But we were in a great setup, a great situation. My wife's family all lived close, which meant we had babysitters. It was awesome, right? Um, and I, uh, we have two adopted daughters from China. So in 2007, we came. We spent a couple days in Beijing and two weeks in China for our second adoption. And while we were here, God spoke to me and said, move to China unmistakably, undeniably, absolutely, 100% said, Ralph, you and your family moved to China. And with that, there was a job offer that was a part of that whole praying and processing. That was a valid job offer, and God told me, unmistakably, move to China in 2008. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I didn't do it. I was afraid to do it. Let me tell you one just quick to tell you as I was processing. Like, I was scared because... I don't like change. I'm averse to risk. I'm a slow adapter, right? That's me. That's my profile, right? You, you business leaders ready to hire me now? You want me to hire me to run a division for you, right? <laughs> I just shot any chance I have of getting the job with anybody here. <clears throat> I don't need a job. I'm good. But, <clears throat> um, so I'm scared, and my heart's pounding over a course of several months because I feel like God's calling me. And I'm like, I'm excited, but I'm really scared. And I have four kids, and they were all in diapers at that time for a short time. That was even scarier than moving to China. And I'm in my front yard, and I'm kicking a ball on a Saturday afternoon in February 2008. And I'm thinking, God, the, the one kind of major investment I have is my home that we're in in Florida. We're in Florida in the front yard of that home, and I'm saying, God, 
if I'm going to go to China, what do I do with the house? If I leave and I, we can't get a renter, then I've got to pay a mortgage here and a mortgage in China. It'll wipe me out. You know, maybe I should sell it, but homes aren't selling so good. God, what should I do? And I'm kicking a ball with my kids back and forth in the yard, and I'm praying while I'm doing that. It's legal, by the way, to pray that way. <laughs> it's actually, it's really good. So we had walked out the side door of our house on this particular Saturday, and I kicked the ball for a few minutes. I prayed that prayer, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to tell my wife, let's get a sign, stick it in the yard, and see if anybody responds. I'm trying to bolster my faith, and I walk to the front door. I'd come out the side door. I walk to the front door, and there's a note, like rolled up, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, rolled up, stuck in the handle of my front door. And I open it up, and, and as God is my witness, I open it up, and it's from a neighbor, four houses down that I'd never met, introduces himself. His name is John. He says he's a pastor. I didn't know him. And he said his wife and he love the neighborhood. They're renting a house, four houses down, but they can't stay in that home because their landlord is going to sell the house. They've got to get out. But they love the neighborhood. There's a lake right behind our yard. They're like, we love the lake. If you're ever interested in selling your home or renting with the option to buy, we want you to know we're interested. Seems like an answer to prayer, right? So I went right down there, and I knocked on the door, and I met them, and they came over, and we talked to them. And I flew over to China shortly after that, and I went to the grocery stores, and I checked out the prices in Jenny Lou's, and some of you are probably doing that. Which one's cheaper, Jenny Lou's or Dee Dee's? They're all expensive, okay? <laughs> Jinkalong. Jinkalong is the bargain, all right? And I looked at cars, and I, looked, I got a real estate agent. I looked at three or four or five houses. I was here for two weeks, and I went home, and I was so scared that I said no. In 2008, I said, I'm not going to China. I'm afraid. I'm comfortable. I like my routine in Florida. I turned down the job, and, but in my spirit, I thought I missed it, you know? So I just said to God, you know, God, if you're, you know, you, you, if you really want this, if I missed it, just communicate it to me. I know you have a way to do that, right? And so just a short time later, meaning less than a year later, uh, I get a call from a guy I've never met, and he offers me a job in Beijing. And I looked at my wife, and I said, what should we do? And she's like, you should follow God, you know? Any of you men have wives like that, right? They, they hear right away, and then they patiently wait for you to get it, right? She's just, she's just like, you know. So the second time we came, so we came about a year and a half later, and God's full of grace and all that, but, but I, I, I went kind of long there, but I think of Terah and his comfort in Haran, you know? And I was, in a sense, almost like Terah in Haran. I was comfortable. I felt God's call, but I just didn't really want to do it. I'm so glad I came. I'm so glad for what God's doing in me and hopefully what he's doing through me and my family. I mean, I know he's at work, and, and I'm thrilled about it. Um, always ask yourself that question, by the way. God, what are you currently doing in me? And God, what are you currently doing or wanting to do through me? Great questions, and he'll answer you. He'll let you know. So maybe comfort, you know, caused him to change his focus. Maybe culture. Maybe his culture caused him to change his focus. You know, and, and maybe something as boring and as, as undramatic as time. You know, maybe they just intended to rest there for a short period of time. And it turned out that little time got into more time, got into more time. He got comfortable, and time just changed his focus. I don't know. I don't know, but how about you? What's, what's God calling you to? Now, there's, there's people in this room that I admire so much that... You know, their lives aren't perfect, but they're following God. And I, I, don't, I guess I don't want to name people and embarrass people, but if I was going to name Robin and Joyce Hill, I would name them, you know. 
you know. And I just think, you know, if you don't know what they do, what they do is amazing. And they could have been comfortable, trust me. They could have been focused a lot more on themselves. And they do these amazing things for babies in China. And it's not a witness just to those babies, but it is a witness around planet Earth. People around the planet know what's happening here. And it's a witness that there's a loving God in heaven. And I just think they could have been comfortable, you know. Um, and I really could name others, but I won't. I just wanted to call out Robin because I like picking on him. I love him. I think he's amazing. Um, you know, there's people who start small groups and women's ministries and Taco Tuesdays, and it makes a difference in families, you know. So what's, what's God calling you to in this season of your life? That's the question. Um, and you can think about it, and I've been thinking about it for me, too. You know, and I think part of my challenge is I'm standing up here on Sunday morning and, uh, you know, I don't like change and I'm a slow adapter and I don't like public speaking. <laughs> and here I am, you know, so God does this to you. He has a way of doing it. Um, the last verse in the Bible about Terah just is an exclamation point on the tragedy of his story as I read it. Joshua chapter 24 verse 2 says this. Joshua, recounting the story, says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Your ancestors, including Terah, interesting that he would name Terah, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River. And here it is. And they worshipped other gods. Isn't that a tragic end? That's the last sentence for Terah's story in the Scripture. What do you want the last sentence in your story to be? He lived beyond the river and he worshiped foreign gods. I don't want that to be my story. You know, there's, there are other people in the scriptures. And let me say this because I like this, I like this sentence. Um, many people in their faith make it to Haran. Many, you know, spiritually, they make the journey to Haran. But only a few make it to Canaan. It's got nothing to do with God's love and commitment to you and to me, but it's just about calling about sacrifice. I was talking uh, before the message, Rob Foster told me about a, a guy in church work in other parts of the world that in his story he would go to remote villages so far into the jungles that he would walk through you know rivers and swamps and, and it, periodically they'd have to get out of the river because there'd be so many leeches and disgusting things stuck to them that they'd have to pull them off before they got on too tight and they couldn't get off their clothing and you know that's not comfortable right but, but that person had a great impact in that part of the world. Um, some other people in Scripture, you know, King David made all kinds of mistakes, but his mistakes are not the last word in his story. You know, when you define King David's story, how God defines King David's story, it says he was a friend of God. King David made mistakes, all kinds of things, but he was a friend of God. You know, Moses, the last word in Moses' story is when he dies, and as it sums up in Deuteronomy, it says about Moses, no one has ever risen like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. No one has ever shown the mighty power or awesome deeds that Moses performed. I like that one. I, can I have that one? Can I have that one? Do I have to work for it? Can you just give it to me? You know, I like, that's neat. What do you want the last line in your story to be in your walk with God? He was someone who loved God. She was someone who followed God. You know, what's God stirring in you in this season in your time in China? 
I just I sit around asking myself this. So if, if this feels too heavy, just know this is where I live. This is how my head is. Um, Stephen, the one that was talking about um, Tara earlier, um, in the book of Acts in chapter 7, Stephen gets killed for his, his faith in Jesus, for preaching about Jesus. You know what the last sentence in his story is as he's dying? It says that he looked up into the heavens as he was being stoned and killed, and just about, his body was just about dead, and he looked up and it says that he saw the heavens open and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father, ready to receive him, you know, as he died for being martyred for his faith. And it's really neat because many of you may know this, but if there's one person that doesn't know this, I'll say it for you. Um, everywhere in the New Testament, when we have a reference to Jesus in heaven, it says he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He's, he, is, he is the son of the Father. He is, he is the triumphant, you know, return from the crucifixion, from the resurrection. He's sitting triumphantly, sitting triumphantly at the right hand of the Father. The only time we see him standing is in this verse with Stephen. Stephen looked up and it says he saw Jesus standing to receive him. I think Jesus was standing to honor someone who'd committed his life to him and was being called home. That's a great last sentence for a story, you know, and then the party in heaven starts when another one, you know, enters eternity. So just stuff to think about. Ricky, why don't you come back up here and I'll, I'll pray for us and we'll, we'll close out in worship. So what we're doing is we're talking about why am I here? So you may apply that to your time in China. Why am I in China? That might be your conversation with God, right? Why am I, you know, a mother of three kids? That might be your story, you know? Why is it my job? Why is it this? Why is it that? Why is it this addiction? Whatever, why are you here? You can, you can have that conversation with God. Next week, we'll look at Abraham. His is a great story of obedience and faith and all that kind of stuff. Well, let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll finish with worship. <clears throat> God, thank you for your commitment to our lives. Thank you that um, our lives are filled with purpose in you. And God, I confess that I go through seasons um, where I get off focus of the fact that you're involved with my life and, and, and I don't see the purpose. And uh, God, for any of those in this room that are in that place now, I pray that you would speak in the ways that you do, God, through your word, through counsel, through circumstances. Um, to refocus each one of us on the reality that you're intimately involved with the stories of our lives. God, I believe there's so much potential in this community to lift Jesus up and make him famous through loving acts, through loving service to the community, uh, through groups and participation here at this church. And God, I pray that you would stir each one of us uh, to play our part. God, it's all to make you famous. It's all to glorify your son, to lift him up, that others might be drawn to him. So we, we worship you again in this moment, uh, trusting that you'll do all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.